0: every single paycheck. So let's jump in and teach you how to hire like a pro. Hello, Jamie Van Kijk here and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Have you ever met someone, learned about their business and go, oh my gosh, that is so needed. Why aren't more people helping people in this area? That's exactly how I felt when I met this week's guest, Mary Beth Simone. Mary Beth guides business owners to create contingency plans that prepare them and their teams for the unexpected or an extended vacation. She is the CEO of Niche Partnership Consulting and a national conference speaker. She believes continuous learning is the the fountain of youth and became a certified Les Body Balance Instructor after retiring from 30 years, 30 plus years at Vanguard. She's a rescue dog mom and in her free time, she's active in her local business community. Mary Beth is on a mission to show you how to keep money flowing into your business while you're away. When you hear Mary Beth's story, you'll learn how she got into it, doing this business after 30 plus years at after 30 plus years of working in corporates contingency planning is something that i think we put off for one day and the problem is if we don't plan for it today in our professional lives our business and in our personal lives we could end up in a place where something happens and nobody knows what to do. The planner in me loves that Mary Beth is helping people plan, but this is something that you should be doing even if you're not a planner. So we're going to talk about how contingency planning is important for your business and how it can help you not only for when those things happen that you'd like to avoid, but also how this can help you take a vacation. And I don't mean take a vacation where you have your laptop or phone with you, but a vacation that is a true vacation where you leave everything business-wise at home and your business still runs and makes business without your input on those days that you're gone. Doesn't that sound amazing? Well, let's jump into this conversation so you can learn how to best plan for taking a vacation, and then preparing for the unexpected within your business. Hey, Mary Beth, thank you so much for joining us today on the Growing Your Team podcast.
1: I'm so excited to be here, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yes, you're so welcome. All right, before we jump into the amazing topic that we have to discuss today, tell everybody about you and your business.
1: Yeah. So um, I worked in corporate finance for over 30 years at two different companies, but one uh, company I was there the longest. And I knew that I wanted to retire early uh, and start my own business, but I wasn't exactly sure what I would do. So I had been a project and program manager in corporate uh, and I was trying to figure it out. I set my retirement date and um, then one of my closest friends was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and she asked me if she didn't survive would i be willing to help her husband navigate the finances uh, in her absence and of course i said yes i wasn't really sure what i was agreeing to i hoped it would never happen uh, and she did pass away um and then i was working full-time and i spent three months working with her husband about six hours a week uh, to try and figure out what was going on in their finances. He didn't use a computer or a cell phone. And uh, so I had a lot to figure out there and put a plan in place uh, to help him navigate how to use her retiree benefits and all of that kind of thing. Uh, And that was when I realized that we all could do a better job at Preparing for the unexpected and creating contingency plans, and that's when I decided to do that as my post-retiree career.
0: Yeah, so so now you're helping a lot of business owners and everything really prepare. And you know, the, the unexpected—you don't always want it to happen, but it's good to be prepared.
1: Yeah. And so the most interesting thing was I started this business in uh, May of 2019. And then guess what happened? Yeah, there was a global pandemic. And then, (laughs) (laughs) so then, you know, everybody became very aware of the need to prepare for the unexpected. And then what happened after that is like during the pandemic, business owners became so entrenched in their business and pivoting their business that they ended up taking on even more responsibilities. And by the time we started to come out of the pandemic, we started to see really high numbers of business owner burnout, business owners who were desperately in need of a vacation, and they had kind of lost their Mojo, in terms of being able to extricate themselves from the business and, you know, hand over the reins to the people who they trust in the business so that they could get some r and r, yes,
0: yes, and that is super important. yeah you and know, one of the things I shared with you right before we started recording was when I first started you know growing your team, I was t- helping with some of the management side of things as well. And one of my very first clients, his, His reason for hiring me was really kind of to create that plan so he could learn to trust his team members and delegate properly to his team members so he could take a vacation, a true vacation, and not a working vacation, a true vacation. And he had a like a physical business. And it was like, you know, trust being able to trust someone to unlock the doors and lock up at the end of the day and do the things that he normally does throughout the day that is needed so they can serve customers there and he didn't have that that in place yet and it was like how can he learn to start trusting his team members in that case not necessarily giving them access to everything like he was going to be gone forever but just so he could take a vacation and we were able to to work through that and help him get to the point where he could take that vacation and feel satisfied on that vacation knowing things were going to be taken care of without him physically being there
1: Yeah. And it is a process, right? And it's something that we should, as business owners, go into intentionally. Unfortunately, what often happens is that it's like a last minute thought, and let me just train you the week before I leave. And then things kind of, you know, may not go quite as We would want it to go, but it's because we didn't really invest in the process.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's it's one of those things, investing in the process. It's you gotta do it, even if it doesn't seem like a fun thing to do. Or it's one of those things like any insurance plan that you take out, you invest in insurance hoping that you never have to really use it. You know, because having to use your insurance plan means something happens. And it's kind of the same with some of the contingency planning. Something happens to make you have to use it, but it's better to invest in having those contingency plans than getting stuck and not being able to have your business function without you.
1: Right. And and creating contingency plans so that somebody can step in while you're on vacation seems like a very positive approach. And it is a way to get a business owner to just dip their toe into the process of starting to create maybe a broader plan.
0: Yeah. So what are some of the first things people need to think about when they are going to go create those contingency plans?
1: Yeah. So from the overall contingency planning process, some things that you want to keep in mind are, um, do you have a password management system? I have seen business owners with all kinds of ways of managing their passwords, and often it's not a system. Uh, so it needs to be something where whoever that key uh, person in your business is will be able to follow the process or have access uh, to your passwords. So super, super important. Um The next thing is, you know, identifying who is that person who you trust completely to be your second in command, whether it is for your personal life or for your business. And this is someone who you would trust, um, you know, with very sensitive information about your finances, your passwords, they would have, I always encourage people to think of, This would be a person who you would give power of attorney to. You trust them that much. Um, So that's important to identify. And you might have to make a list. And it might be a couple of people. Sometimes, depending on the business, it might be a board of directors type approach where you have a team of people uh, who are your second in command. And there's one key decision maker. Uh, And then the third part is to have your legal documents in order Uh, so that I encourage people to start, you know, with their personal legal documents. What do you need as a human being? And then ensure that you have the legal documents on uh, for your business, you know, created on top of your existing estate plan to make sure that somebody is authorized to run your business. Uh, if you are unavailable, if you are overseas for some reason, whatever the case may be. Yes. Yeah. So I want to
0: touch on a few things that you said there. First off, you talk about this password management system. And I know one of the issues that sometimes comes up is even if someone has your password, a lot of sites now require two-factor identification, which is then typically going to your phone or your email as the business owner. And this is one of the things that we talked about on episode 141 with Nate Ginter is what do you do in these situations when multiple people need access to that, that code? It's not always you that's requesting that code. And one of the things that he suggests is sometimes just having an email address that's specifically for getting those codes, or even using a Google number that, you know, you could have go on multiple cell phones that are getting it, that are getting that text message of here's your, here's your code to go log in. So in doing things like that, so kind of preparing, so you, People don't have to depend on you when you're not capable of looking at your phone to give them the code so they can get on there. So that's one thing that I think also helps with that password management system, seeing you want to use two-factor identification a lot of times to protect your data.
1: Yeah, and so that is more and more, uh, you know, highly recommended as we get into more cyber crimes, um, you know, we have two-factor authentication on almost everything these days. Uh, so access to your phone or having a system in place like what you just recommended is brilliant. Um, so that's something that's it's, it's essential uh, for accessing the accounts.
0: Yes, 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 definitely. And then the other thing I want to talk about is, like you mentioned, having this person that you could really trust. And I feel like that's where a lot of people then are getting hung up because they're like, ooh. I don't, I don't know if I trust those people yet. And I think that ties to a lot of that, that fear of delegation that we have as business owners. And sometimes even when we have teams and you're like, well, I'm delegating stuff. Like I'm good at delegating that. We're good if you look at the hierarchy of tasks in our business. We can be good at delegating the $10 tasks, maybe good at delegating you know, the $100 tasks. But when it comes to those like $1,000 tasks, if you look at hierarchy that way, you're like, Ooh, I don't know yet. And it's and, and that's a natural thing to happen in business. Like, you know, we trust in increments. You know, we can't know most of the time we don't trust hiring that that C level person right away because we need to build our ability to delegate to be able to trust at that level. So I feel like it's very common for businesses to have teams where they're all focusing on sometimes those lower level tasks and you don't have that person yet. That you trust at that level to give them that access, to give them that authority. That's one area where I think we need to challenge ourselves is if you don't have that person in your business, you need to create that person in your business, either by bringing on someone new who you know you're bringing them on to possibly give them that authority or creating it in your business by creating the relationship and the delegation authority and the responsibility with a current team member so that you can trust them on that that level if a situation does occur.
1: Yeah, that makes total sense. And I look at it like building a muscle. You have to exercise it and uh, on a regular basis in order to build that confidence. And so that's why it's a great idea To use this process for going on vacation, you know, because you just you start training somebody while you're there and then maybe while you take a long weekend and then you're gone for a week and then maybe you go overseas or something like that. If you set a goal for possibly a big vacation next year, this year is your time to start building that muscle so that you have everything in place when you leave.
0: Yes, 100%. Yeah, I love that. And that's exactly what I was thinking. It's like, do it little by little. You don't have to say, all right, we're ripping off the band aid. And the first vacation I'm going to take, where you can't access me, I'm going to be gone for two weeks. And good luck.
1: Yeah, the truth is, I see, I have seen business owners try that, but then they are hyper focused on what's happening back at the office while they're on vacation. They're looking. text messages even if they don't reach out they're like trying to figure out ways to get a pulse on what's happening you know and so they're distracted they're not enjoying their time away
0: right exactly you know it's interesting like I was this uh example like just came to my mind when I was back in corporate and I had recently been promoted to I think uh to a new position. And I had a team member that was coming in, taking over some of the accounts and everything that I had been working on. And we had been training together for a while. And you know, I was trying to make sure she knew she had all the resources available and where she could go for questions other than me. And I I remember telling her, just joking around, I was like, because was going on a ski vacation. I was like, if you call me, if you text me, I'm throwing my phone off the mountain because I'm not going to deal with it. And it's like <laughs> just one of those things. that's like, cause, but I was like, I prepared you. You have the resources and you might still have questions, but there's other places in the organization you can go to get those questions answered. And of course, that was different because it was a large corporate company versus like a small business. But sometimes it's preparing your team members to know that they have the answers and they have the ability to find the answers.
1: That's a really good point because it's not just the business owner who has to build that muscle, but it's also the person who is being trained to be the second in command or to to take over those responsibilities. They have to build their confidence and build their muscle too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Especially because the authority level might be different when you're very different from when you're away than when you are there you know, they're making decisions and they're doing anything that's not in their normal day-to-day wheelhouse.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So I was curious if this is something like you help your clients through with these contingency plans, because recently this last year I was helping an estate planning client of mine and they sometimes they're, they'll either ask their clients if they have contingency plans for their business or the topic will come up. So we created this document to just kind of get them started to make them realize that this is something you really need to do. And we viewed like when they are creating their contingency plan at kind of different levels, like there's you're going on vacation, so you, people need to be able to do things to all the way to your unexpected death. All of a sudden, you're not there. What happens to your business when you unexpectedly pass away? And different levels in between, like you're stranded someplace. I live in Florida, so let's say a hurricane came through, and all of a sudden, you don't have power, but the rest of your team does. Oh, you're in the hospital. You're going to survive, but you're in the hospital, and you're not physically or mentally capable of working at that point in time because maybe you're on different drugs, you're going into surgery or things like that. Like All these different levels in between. And one of the things that we did was we said in certain cases, it might be very clear of this is what this person has authority over. These are the type of decisions that need to wait until the business owner is available. Do you build things like that into your plans?
1: Yeah. So the way that I work with clients, I typically encourage them to start with creating their personal contingency plan. So we work together in uh, 30-day increments on each of these three plans. So first, it's their personal contingency plan, everything about their personal life, uh, their personal legal uh, papers, all of their financial information, everything about their real estate their vehicles all of that kind of thing banking and then the next 30 days we work together on creating the contingency plan for their business so very much like the personal but this is all business focused all of their business accounts their it assets their subscriptions memberships bank accounts credit cards all of that and then the uh, third leg of it is a 30-day effort on the business continuance playbook and this is where we work together to document the standard operating procedures for the business owner because i find that in most businesses all of the procedures are documented for everyone else's role in the business except for the business owners because yeah, exactly, because you know it. Why You don't need to trade anybody else on it, right? <laughs> you'll always be there. You know what to do. You know how everything fits together, right? Um, so that's always an interesting exercise. So in that third leg of uh, the journey, during the business continuance playbook is when we typically uncover that the business owner is maybe doing some responsibilities that would be better served by someone else on the team. Um, So I interview them on Zoom and document their procedures for them and give them to them for review. And in that process, we identify um, who is the process owner for it. And if there could be a backup process owner, who would that be? And that's usually somebody who should be considered for training on the procedure and then maybe eventually turning over the role to that person. Uh, so the goal is to lighten the responsibilities for the business owner, especially after the pandemic. I just see so many owners who have taken on you know, all of these roles. Some of them they really love to do, but it doesn't really fit in in their ceo role um and that is the time that we talk about we create a triage document so the business owner is gone for 30 days 60 days 90 days um you know and i always say you know let's take the perspective that you are unable to speak or unable to use a computer during that time you know cuz people are like if i'm in the hospital i'll still i'll take calls i'll you know, tell them what to do. Um, So I try and say like, Oh, you know, a head injury, you're going to recover, but you can't be looking at a screen. And you know, you can't make decisions and that kind of thing. Uh, So we map out, you know, exactly what needs to be done. And we go all the way to the person's Death, um, and so with using that type of a process, we map out a pretty good plan uh, of the steps that need to be taken.
0: Awesome, that's that's great. And really looking at it that that way, and I think as business owners, it's really hard to envision not being available and our business still running. But it can happen. It can it can happen. Like you don't have to do everything, and if you grow the right team your business can survive without you.
1: Yes, and you know, so many people I work with, they are I work with a lot of young business owners who are growing a large business and their goal is if something happens to them, they do want their business to survive. They want their business to be there for their family, um, you know, for their beneficiaries. Or for somebody else in the business who they know wants would want to take over the business. Uh, so having those conversations helps create, you know, more defined, better defined plans uh, as to what the next step should be and helps them to put any legal processes in place that need to support that type of a transition if it ever comes to be.
0: Yes, yes. I think that's really important. It reminds me of someone that I knew. He had those kind of just conversations about someone taking over their business. And this was in for retirement purposes. And the person seemed all on board. And then they got to the point where they thought they were in the middle of the transition, but had no legal documents in place. And the other person decided... Yep. Yeah, nope. I'm out. I don't really feel like doing this anymore. They're like, wait, this was my retirement like plan. And then it's like going back to the drawing board of like, what do we do from here? So I feel like that part is really important of like, what can you do legally to support those transitions and everything that you're talking about and and to make sure that you're protected. And I feel like one of the things that's super, super important here is Most of us aren't running our businesses because we're bored. We're running our businesses because this is what we want to do to earn income. And what happens if your business can't survive without you and all of a sudden that income source goes away, especially if it's a time where you're in the hospital and not capable of working? Or, you know, not only does your business go away, does your insurance go away? Because maybe your insurance is through a a plan that you created for your business. So having your business survive without you isn't just a benefit of keeping that business going. It's a way of you still, and be able, still able to earn income when you're not capable of working because something happens or yeah. because you're going to simply go on vacation that you can still earn income during that time.
1: Right. And, you know... Um... When a business owner is unexpectedly taken out of a business for a period of time, or, you know, I always think about when Covid was starting, and we didn't really know anything about it, and all of those people on cruise ships uh, who were on their dream vacation, and then they were they had to stay out to sea for an extended period of time, right? It was the vacation yeah. that turned into the unexpected. When business owners are not able to be in their business and the cash flow starts to dry up, it really jeopardizes the business. Um, So it's important that there is a plan in place to keep the money flowing into the business while the owner is away to ensure that the business is going to stay viable. And, you know, if you have a team, You have to think about the impact on your employees and your contractors if the owner is out of the business and they don't have a sense of stability you know people start they need to look out for themselves and they start to you know worry am i going to continue to get paid do i need to look for another job i saw that happen with a couple businesses during the pandemic when an owner was hospitalized
0: Yes. Yeah, exactly. Or because we do recruiting here, like I've even talked to candidates before is that the reason that they're looking is because sometimes it's the the business owners getting close to that retirement and they can just see that they're just not really giving it all there anymore. And are they still going to have a job? Like there's, there's a lot that if someone starts to feel insecure in their position, as much as they value you or love their job, Being able to keep that roof over their head and food on the table is more important. Those are their basic needs, and if they feel like it's in jeopardy working for you, they're going to go
1: elsewhere. Of course, and I would say to that point, a lot of business owners worry about having the conversation with their team about you know this contingency plan that they're creating that it will uh, make the employees nervous. I beg to differ. And I would argue the opposite, that it makes them confident that the employer is thinking about this, that they're putting a plan in place, that they're being transparent about what the plan is, that they're ensuring the team that there is a process that can be followed to make sure that everything keeps running smoothly if I'm not here.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. All right. So we talked about kind of the plans that you, you know, kind of how you work with clients and everything, what really they need to be thinking about. Do you have any other kind of advice or words of wisdom for people to really kind of motivate them to go start creating these plans for both their personal life, because you bring them through that as well, and their business?
1: Yeah. So I would say that one of the most interesting dynamics that I observe with my clients is that after they put these plans in place. They invest in creating their contingency plans. It frees up a level of anxiety that they did not realize that they were dealing with. And the business owners tend to reach new heights in the year following creating the plans. It's a fascinating dynamic. Uh, They feel, you know, relieved and free, and they're ready to tackle something brand new because they feel like they have all of this taken care of. Yes, yes, I feel
0: like that's so important and I feel like I can see exactly why that happens because when you talked about we go through the process and we really outline what that that business owner is doing and identify things that shouldn't be on their plate. That I have really identified is really what holds a lot of businesses back as we're holding on to things that don't belong in the CEO's bucket of tasks. And you know, we're just afraid of letting them go, or sometimes not even realizing that we should be letting them go. Like this is one of these examples that kind of always surprises people. I remember I was working with a client who had it was a two hundred person organization, and the CEO was still holding on to the title of H R Director and Financial Director. Like they were still doing all those things, and yes, they had people that were helping with like the bookkeeping part of finance, and they had people that were helping with some of the day-to-day work in HR. But when it came to that high-level responsibilities as a CEO, they were still holding on to those for a two-hundred-person organization. And when they were able to finally get realize that they needed to get that work off their plate, hire for that, they were able to do so much more because they could focus on what they should be focusing on and not all these other things that they needed an actual expert. And even with some of those areas, once they had an expert on, it was like, all right, well, here's some of the strategies and things we should be doing over here that they didn't have the energy or the capacity to really identify because they had everything else on their plate.
1: So I'm so curious, Jamie, what do you think it was that kept the CEO... Uh, tied to the HR work and the financial work?
0: I think it was Habit. It was Habit. And they were an organization that even though they were 200 people, it was a lot of that that low-level employees, so kind of the hands-on with the product they were producing, the mid-level management, and then they had a few more senior leaderships, but they kind of looked at for these parts of their organization. They had all the other departments, and these were kind of like smaller departments for their organization. So it was like, well, if I only have one person here, I don't need a leader, a high level executive leader to manage one person, I can do it. I don't like so they viewed it as departments. And it was just like that habit of doing those tasks and only having one direct report there. And it's like, I can do one direct report in HR, I can do one direct report in finance, and not realizing that, yes, there might only be one direct report, and maybe that team's not going to dramatically grow when you hire that executive, but there's so much that executive should be doing that you're not doing because out of habit and you're just in the habit of doing the work that you're doing that you don't, and sometimes they don't see it as, as important to their business as everything else.
1: That's so interesting. Fascinating. I mean, when I see, I also see business owners holding on to the financial roles um, like staying tied to pay, weekly payroll. And it's usually because of privacy concerns. Mm. They don't want somebody on the team to see all of the details of who gets paid. So I would say that that's an opportunity, right? To get the right person in that role.
0: Yeah. And I think like that brings up a really good point as well. And not necessarily privacy concerns of like with payroll, having other people to see what everyone's getting paid. But sometimes that like kind of numbers, I feel like those numbers are sometimes hard to delegate because people are seeing, it's like pulling the curtain back and seeing how things yes. really operate. And sometimes as business owners, we feel like, I feel like it's hard sometimes to see our own success and what we've grown and what we should be proud of because you know a 200 person organization where you're making millions and millions of dollars a year, the business is making millions and millions of dollars You're still seeing it as maybe, ooh, maybe we barely made a profit this year or or things like that. So there might be things in those numbers that you're not super proud of, but it might be that you're not doing better because you you don't have the expertise and time to dedicate to that. So sometimes it's hard to let other people behind that curtain of something that feels so, even in an organization so large, feels so personal because you were leading the ship for so long. And it's like (laughs) handing over that that data, that important part and allowing someone else to see how things are really going.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is so, so true. That is so true. All
0: right, Mary Beth, well, we have to start wrapping up for today. So tell everybody how they can get in touch with you.
1: Yeah, um, so the best way is um, through my website and I did create a free uh, personal contingency plan download for your audience uh, and that's available at nichepartnershipconsulting.net/growing um and so that has everything to it has like important questions to get people thinking about you know what they need in their contingency plan there is a password book that i create for my clients if you tend towards wanting a paper process for your passwords um yeah. So please uh, feel free to download that and then we'll be connected.
0: Sounds good. And I just want to put out like kind of one more thing why I think these uh, focusing on the personal side is so important, even as as business owners and everything is I know uh, someone who was recently going through a, a divorce and they had no idea what was going on with their finances. And someone was actually like, how do you have no idea what's going on with your finances? And their significant other had stopped paying some of the bills, like knowing that they were going to leave and was kind of like pocketing the money and like doing things like maliciously. And someone was like, how do you, how did you not know that? And I just remember kind of being like, raising my hand and be like, I pay all the bills and not control, but handle all the finances in my house that my husband never looks at that so he would never like he would never know just because that's the way things are handled in our house and i feel like that's the way things are handled in a lot of households not just finances there's a lot of things where it's like one person is in charge of this and another person is in charge of something else because you can't be in charge of everything so you divide and conquer and having those plans at home it's like here's what you need to know like if if i wasn't around if something happened to me you know if if i'm not around Here's the bills that actually need to be paid. Like, here's the ones that are on auto pay. Here's what maybe to go and cancel, like you know, those type of things. So it's super, super important.
1: That's exactly right. And sometimes people have some shame about that, that they don't know everything. Um, but it is our natural tendency to divide and conquer. It would be a waste of resources, right? For us to be involved in everything uh, that the other person. Our other, uh, our counterpart does. Um, so it's really an, a an a way of efficiency, um, and everybody does it. So there just has to be an opportunity to transfer that knowledge.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. Just reminds me of recently, we have solar panels on our house, and with the storm that came through a few months ago, one of our panels got broken and my husband's been dealing with it but for whatever reason they have my number on the account even though we've tried updating it a number of times with my husband's number I just remember the last time I was just like you just have to call him like I'm not dealing with this and the guy asked something of like pretty much along the lines of well am I not capable he wasn't those words but I was just like it's not that like and was like I just want to make it clear like he's the he's in charge of this those are questions to ask him I am not taking the time to deal with this because I deal with so much other stuff like this is his responsibility and and it was just like that funny thing it was like yes I am capable but I'm choosing not to do it
1: that's right that's right and so that mentality goes over to our businesses as well right we handle things very much the same way in our businesses and there's no shame about needing to uh share that knowledge
0: Yep. Yep. And it's one of those things like delegate. You might be capable of doing it, but it doesn't mean you have to do it. So delegate, find those people, stop holding on to tests that the CEO should not own based on the size of your organization.
1: Absolutely. If you can delegate it, delegate it, you should.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Well, our last question for today that I love to ask all my guests, we have all had leaders or managers that stood out to us. Think of a leader or manager that has stood out to you and share one thing about them.
1: I love this question. So I the leader who comes to mind is one who would be she was very down to earth, and she would be very honest with me about the value that I brought to the organization uh, and, you know, relay conversations that she would have with her uh, her direct manager. And what she would say about me and the value that I brought to the team. Uh, and so I do think about that often. Um, interestingly, she would say that if there was an emergency, she would want me by her side. And now I do things that help people prepare for emergencies. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's that kind of thing, you know, where it was unsolicited. And uh, she just shared that type of feedback on a regular basis.
0: Oh, that's awesome. It is, it's so funny to hear you like say that, like, you know, this, this comment that's attached to your current career that probably at that point in time, you never really thought about it. Obviously, you shared with us, you know, why you started this business, what really led to it. But I feel like that happens a lot to people. You know, it's kind of like that second career or that business you start that's very different than the career you previously had. If you really think about it, there's probably threads where people were telling you that you were good at things and everything that it's like, oh, now you're actually doing that and you love it and you're thriving at it. and and I think that's that's always great. It shows that you're you're really doing the best thing that you could be doing to help people right now,
1: yeah. I do love that work, and that would probably be my suggestion to anybody who's in that place of not knowing what they want to do next, just to think about those comments that people have made along the way uh, that, you know, shine a light on what you're really good at.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. All right, Mary Beth, thank you so much for joining us today on the Growing Your Team podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. It was a pleasure. Are you ready to hire a new team member for
0: your business and you want to ensure you hire the person who can succeed in the role, make you happy and positively impact your bottom line? then let's talk and see how growing your team can help you master the art of hiring through bespoke hiring frameworks and comprehensive guidance. You will learn how to attract candidates who have the passion you desire and the skills needed to succeed at growing your team, women entrepreneurs and leaders work with us to help them expand their unique businesses by teaching them how to hire like a pro. Let's connect and see how we can help you. Send me an email at jamie at growingyourteam.com. That's Jamie, J-A-M-I-E at growingyourteam.com or head on over to growingyourteam.com jumpstart with jumpstart being all one word And let's talk about how you can become a confident leader who hires right every single time.